I'm Glenn Robinson, and I've spent the last 30 years as a healthcare leader and overseeing large organizations. And before that, I was in the news business. And I'm Jacob Robinson, his son. I've spent the last five years building a business and learning lessons of leadership along the way. And this is our podcast, Chasing What Matters. On this podcast, we're going to interview leaders from all walks of life and hear their stories of successes and failures and what has made them become who they are today and how their faith and families played a role in their lives and leadership styles. During these interviews, we will be discussing things from business to politics, healthcare to nonprofit, and anything in between to find out how these leaders are chasing what matters in their work and personal life. So welcome to another episode of Chasing What Matters. Hello, everyone. We're so glad that you could join us for another episode of the Chasing What Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Glenn Robinson. And I'm your other co-host, Jacob Robinson. Jeff Richards, a founder and president of Legacy Outfitters, an outdoors men's ministry headquartered in Waco, Texas. Approaching its 20th year, Legacy Outfitters continues to use the passion of men for the outdoors to help men become better husbands, fathers, and ultimately the men that God calls them to be. More than 5,000 men have experienced the encouragement, challenges, and life-on-life experiences that are a part of Legacy Outfitters. Legacy Outfitters has grown from a single chapter in Waco to the present 12 chapters now in Texas, Tennessee, and Colorado. Jeff and Chris Ann, his wife of 33 years, have three children and two grandchildren. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be with you guys. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk to me. I hadn't had anybody talk to me in a couple of days, so I feel really good and got a lot of words. <laughs> so I'm ready. Well, then, yeah. then we're just we'll turn the turn it over to you and, uh, and <laughs> no, don't on. don't do that, Jacob. But I but I appreciate being on and uh, an opportunity to share what's going on. That's always uh, it's always a great thing for me, uh, just to allow people to know what's going on and what we're doing. Well, yes, we're we're super excited to to talk about legacy uh, outfitters and and all the other thousand things that you're involved in. But but first. Let's uh, let's get to know Jeff a little bit better. Take us all the way back to the beginning. Where are you from? What was growing up like? Give us some insight there. Well, uh, you're you're not gonna you'll know exactly where I'm from as soon as I say it. But I'm from New Orleans. Uh, my accent will come out when I start thinking about home. I grew up in New Orleans. Uh, uh, my dad was a professional fighter. Um, he had a boxing career. He was a Walter Weight. He, he fought back in the fifties uh, uh, and early sixties. Um, I. We look a little. We looked alike, uh, but but if I did this, I would definitely look just like him. And so he had a flat nose. And uh, one time he tried to grow a mustache, and he liked suffocated himself. So he he had to shave that mustache off. But uh, man, life in the in the early years were, I uh, you know, was so much fun growing up. I had a, a mom and dad that nurtured me um, and believed in everything I did. Uh, were supportive. Uh, the only thing that was missing, though, um, was that my dad was not a believer. Uh, my mom was, and uh, mom took me and my brother uh, to church. And my sister didn't come along until a little bit later, but we were, we'd were we go to church. And uh, the local church, I always tell people I'm a product of the local church because that's who, um, that, that's who really came and uh, ministered our family at a time where we really needed. And uh, we, we owe a lot to the local church. And uh, so... Um, my um, my dad came to Christ when he was 27, so things changed. But my dad always took me hunting and fishing. Um, I had a, a a passion for hunting and fishing. And um, now my my dad he got seasick, so he wouldn't take me fishing. So my mom started a tradition when I was real young. Um, she took me to City Park in New Orleans, and uh, on my birthday, my birthday's on June 1st every year. It's kind of a tradition, and everybody knows where I'm at on June 1st. But she took me fishing. I was probably about four years old and using one of those little uh, child poles and and caught a brim. And uh, when I caught it, I, I literally just screamed and uh, hollered and was so excited that um, I wish they had, you know, uh, technology back then uh, to see my reaction. But uh, she said from then on, it was just such a delight to see me so excited about that, that from that point on, um, it was, it was fishing. And, and, uh, so she took me every year for my birthday. Um, some years as I got older, she'd take me a deep sea fishing. Uh, we did the Miss Mississippi back when, uh, the Gulf had all those golden croakers, man. And, and they were, 
big fish, but they're all fished out now. But but uh, she would take me. And so over the years, um, even in my travels, if I'm on uh, my birthday, I will find a place to fish, whether it's just casting the rod into a pond or something just to have that day covered. And uh, so now I don't get to fish with her every year on my birthday, but we did uh, quite a bit growing up. And my dad, he took me hunting. He just saw, they saw the, how, how just uh, passionate I was. And uh, my dad didn't like getting up early to go do that. I think it's because he had a paper out when he was young and he was one of eight boys. And so he had a paper out and I, I bet you a lot of those people didn't get the inserts that probably ended up in the canal. Uh, New Orleans have those canal systems where the water, where they pump out the water every day. So I'm sure they didn't get the inserts, but uh, he hated getting up early. Um, so, but we, he, he would take me. Um, and uh, well, that's where we uh, spent a lot of time. He nurtured that in me. Um, and so that's where um, I got uh, really uh, grounded in hunting and fishing was in the sportsman's paradise, the great uh, town of New Orleans. And uh, so now my mom, on the other hand, taught me how to cook. Um, I was 10 years old when she taught me how to make a roux. And uh, so I started making squirrel sauce pecan when I was about 10, 10, 11, 12 years old. And um, so my mom taught me on that side of it as the cooking part of it. And uh, but, yeah, I you know, New Orleans was such a fun place to grow up. And uh, we just, you know, just we we could hunt and fish everything. And uh, we did. And so um, just had a blast growing up. Uh, church church life was important. Uh, my mom made sure that we were in church. We had great uh, youth pastors because they have the New Orleans Seminary there. So they had a lot of young guys um, that poured into our lives that would that would come as a youth pastor or, you know, youth minister or, or pastor. So we were very fortunate. Um so uh, to me, we had uh, best of both worlds, <laughs> you know, hunting, fishing, and church. So, well, what what is? I'm curious to know what's the the best thing that you cook, and then what is the the most <laughs> interesting best thing that you cook? Well, the the my my signature is a crawfish chowder, okay. um, and, and it uh, first I start off with a bed of rice, and then I take a red snapper or redfish fillet. And I saute it with butter and my seasoning, Legacy Outfitter seasoning. And then um, I take that filet and put it over a bed of rice. And then I come back with the crawfish chowder on top of that. Now, that's my signature. Um, people have made themselves sick over that. Um, and, and so it's always fun. Uh, they can never get enough of it. And uh, so I got some secret ingredients that go to that. And I always get people say, uh, "What? give me the recipe. And I go, no, I give you the recipe. Um, and, and they say, why? I guess if I give you the recipe, you don't need me anymore. Then I'm not special. So that one thing makes me special. So I got to keep that. Um, the 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 odd thing that you asked was the squirrel sauce pecan or a redfish cuvillon. But the the squirrel sauce pecan is is a made in a in a, in a dark room, and uh, and and so people are fascinated that I would eat that. Uh, quick backstory on my wife: we had been married a week, and um, so um, I had squirrels in the freezer. You know, and um, so I made squirrel sauce pecan. She said, no, I ain't eating that. And I said, OK, you know, I've been feeding my dog greens for two weeks and he didn't eat them for the first two weeks either. So um, I know she's going to end up eating it. But she said she took the French bread and dipped it in the gravy. And uh, and she's been this is pretty good. And the next thing I know, she's eating it. So I got my wife uh, eating squirrel sauce because so it, you know, it's got to be good. Now, I don't I don't have it like the traditional Cajuns. Well, you open the lid and you got all those little heads sticking up, looking at you. Um, I have to draw the line somewhere. Um, but um, it's uh, but it, that's my I think everybody in Texas thinks that's just a riot. I don't know why. And they always ask me, what got you to Texas or what, what did you miss about Louisiana? And I would always tell them the thing I miss the most is my squirrelies. And they just think that's and, and they think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I, I had a seventy five dollar squirrel lease was the I hated leaving it. When I moved uh, to Texas, I lost that lease, but uh, uh, there was a, a lot of other great things here in Texas. So, wow, wow, <laughs> we're, we're we're like what five minutes in? I'm I'm already like this is extremely fascinating. So I'm I'm excited <laughs> to see where this goes. <laughs> and yeah, you know, me too, because I don't I don't have a filter. So there's going to be times I say stuff. I'm going, I can't believe I said that, and you're going to be saying, I can't <laughs> believe he said that, and and then, and then brother Glenn's going to say. We're going to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to leave it in. I got to know too, white boudin or red boudin? Um, you know what? Uh, white boudin is uh, is what I, I grew up on. The red boudin came later. 
And but I like red boudin too. Oh. And and people don't know what don't want to know what's in boudin. That's the, probably the best thing that you need to know. Not don't you don't want to know. It's kind of like leftovers stuffed in a in a sausage tube, you know. But it's it's got a lot. It's got you know leftovers. I think that's how it all started. Yeah. yeah I, for, for Are you familiar time. with the red the red boudin? Oh yes. I'm no. surprised you knew that. Yeah. Well, I spent a lot of time in Louisiana and, uh, and, 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 and for our listeners, in case you're ever invited to a Couchon delay, the answer is always yes. Absolutely. Always yes. <laughs> I had a, uh, where I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana, we had a, a neighbors that did a Couchon delay and I would pass by when that, that, uh, hog was just a baby. And I'd mm-hmm. tell him all, and every time I'd pass by, I'd holler out the window, slow down on that eating, brother, because your time is coming, you know. <laughs> and as he got bigger, you know, it was getting close. In yeah. the first crisp, cold morning, the whole family would come out and butcher that thing. And, and they'd have the chitlins, they would have the cracklins, they would have the, the sausage hanging, the lard, they'd use everything. So <laughs> a crescendolet. Yeah. And no one does cracklins better than our Cajun friends. That is for sure. Well, I'll tell you something. They're doing chicken cracklings now. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> you go to any gas station in South Louisiana and you get uh, boudin balls and uh, you can get chicken cracklings now. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the death rate is over there with clogged arteries, but it's that can't be good. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully there are good genes involved and they, they live long because there, there are some joyful people that live in the great state of Louisiana known as the yes. paradise. Right. I put your hand over your heart. Thank you there. I appreciate uh, that. There you go. Well, Jeff did, uh, how about high school? Did you finish high school, uh, there in Louisiana or had you migrated to Texas at that point? Well, I thought you were asking me if I finished high school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought, man, he, I, somebody must've told him about my IQ. Um, so I was kind of getting a little nervous. Well, yeah, I finished high school, man. Um, I, uh, I went to Rummel high school and, um, and, and it was, uh, just, uh, I played football there. That's where, um, I went to play ball. Um, it was a great, uh, uh school. It was a preparatory school. I don't know how much they preparatory me for college, but, um, <laughs> it, you know, um, but it was, uh, that's where high school was. So I still have some ties. Uh, back at Rummel uh, with a guy I played ball with who was the head coach there for many, many years. So, Well, then, and tell us about the next turn in your life after high school. Well, you know, I, I really wanted to play college ball. Um, you know, that was kind of a dream of mine. Um, I was called in the ministry at 17. Um, wow. And so I had that on my mind. But I, I kind of, I went and played at, um, walked on at Mississippi College uh, back when it was a Division two school. And, um, I, you know, was playing and just, man, I just having a, bl- a great time and, and enjoying that. And, uh, about two years into it, man, the Lord, I, the Lord just really was pushing me. I was starting, uh, revivals. I don't know if you know this, but then you could pick up a rock and hit a Baptist church, uh, every, every direction. And they had these, um, revivals and I, I put a team together and we, as in college and just started traveling and speaking and, um, and uh, that's, uh, you know, um, was, was just a lot of fun. I, I think I should have been studying more, but I was enjoying that part of the college life uh, um, doing that. But that's also where I started learning and understanding church life and a little bit better. Uh, but, yeah, and I played ball just, you know, a couple of years. So I did get to get that out of my system and um, was hurt. And so I just kind of had to stay away from that. After that, I couldn't go back, but I still had ties with them and that's where I started chaplain. They asked me to stay on as a chaplain, you know, and um, so I, I did that. And so that that kept me around uh, football uh, in college a, a couple more years. Wow. Well, fill in the blanks between um, Mississippi College and Texas. How did you how did how did the ministry evolve? And um, uh, share with us more of your story. Well, you know, from um, college, uh, I, the day I graduated, um, I had a church in Lafayette, Louisiana, um, called me to be their student pastor. Um, it was a it was a church that was just kind of getting started, East Bayou Baptist Church. I don't know where the Bayou was. I looked for it many times when I was there, but um, <laughs> I, you know, it was a pastor who was my youth pastor growing up, Mike Walker, and uh, he had he had invested in me and um, and called me and said, Hey, would you, I want you to be my youth, youth minister. And, um, and I really felt called to go do that. I, 
Matter of fact, I couldn't wait to graduate to start ministry really full time. And so um, I went to Lafayette, stayed there for 13 years. And then I kind of started getting restless. But 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 in that period of time, um, I started uh, being a chaplain for some of the public school systems, which was unheard of at the time. You really couldn't get in the public school system. And uh, but the, one of the co- head coaches that came asked me if I would come on the sideline. And and uh, so the very first year um, at Como High School, I was their chaplain and uh, they didn't win a game. And uh, I had a one of the ball players after about four games into it was kind of crying. And, and he asked me, he said, I don't understand. I mean, he, as he was kind of sobbing a little bit. And I said, what do you mean? You know, I said, what? He said, we have you on our side and we're still losing. And, and, I, and I said, man, I, it's not because it's now you got nothing to do with me. Y'all suck. That's all I can tell you. you know? <laughs> no, just no good. And uh, I don't know. Um, I think I was a little bit more tenderhearted after that, but I just let him know that that ain't got nothing to do with me. But that that's kind of where I started learning how to um, uh, do chaplain work. And uh, it's kind of interesting. But and, and so after there, uh, Mike Toby from here from Waco, he was a, he was my youth pastor when he was in, when, at our church in New Orleans when I was in the third, fourth grade. And so um, here's another guy um, that I knew. Um and he called me and uh, we were quail hunting one day at my brother's. I have a brother that's a, a pastor in Dublin, Texas. And um, and I, I love going there. Uh, the quail in that early years, in the uh, early 2000s was, I mean, the quail were just a, a phenomenal. And we would go and hunt and Mike, Toby would come up and, you know, we kind of rekindled our relationship. And he asked me if I would come be on staff. And uh, and I, I kind of fought that for a while and said, no, I really don't want to go do that. Uh, I like uh, South Louisiana and um, uh, y'all don't have uh, the good restaurants here. And at least that's what I thought, you know, but the Mexican food's killing me, but you know, and uh, (laughs) so I just kind of felt like, you know, um, I really fought that calling, uh, but uh, recognized that out of obedience, uh, this is where God was leading me. And I needed a transition uh, in ministry. I needed a new challenge. And um, so I, I ended up in Waco, Texas, and and you know we we get called to a place. We did it. Out, I did it out of obedience, and God gave me the desires of my heart, uh, which we're going to get to here in just a minute. But uh, I'm so glad that uh, I'm I'm grateful that um, that I went in that direction and followed the Lord as best I could. I I, I really did not want to come to Waco, and um, even I think I baffled some of the the people who were trying to bring me in. And because at one point they said, do you really want to come here? I go, no, I really don't. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and you think about that and why would they even ask me? But uh, for some reason, God had his hand. And um, this is where, um, as I got here, I didn't understand why I was here. Uh, and then all of a sudden, God began to give me a, a vision and the dream that mm. I had been waiting for. And that was with you. Yeah. Well, for our listeners, uh, Mike Toby, uh, a very, very deeply loved pastor at yes. First Woodway Baptist Church for mm-hmm. a long number of years, a great guy. In fact, he was actually on our hospital board that called. Oh, me really? That's right. Here to uh, uh, Waco in 2007. And so uh, that's funny how Mike Toby played a role in both of our lives. Uh, yes, without, yes without, he did. Without question. Yeah, he uh, he was a nur- he nurtured me, and uh, we'd fished a lot together on staff, and had a lot in common. Um, I really thought that for me to work for him uh, would help me in my in discipline. He's a very disciplined man, and then when I got here after two weeks, I thought, man, this is too much discipline. <laughs> he was, <laughs> you know, so he taught me a lot, and um, and so I was grateful. and And then I told the Lord after these two mics, I ain't working for another mic. Yeah, so. <laughs> I love it. Well, your your love for the outdoors, obviously, like we've already discussed, began at a very early age. But but tell us about this ministry. Uh, tell us about Legacy Outfitters, how it evolved, and and how we got where we're at today. Well, you know, I, I've always had a uh, I, back when I was in high school. Um, we, I, my dad never took us duck hunting. That was the one thing that we didn't do uh, as a as a father and son. Um, he didn't like the cold. And he didn't want to get near that water. Um, so uh, I went, I had a guy in high school uh, named Brian Kelt who invited me 
uh, to go duck hunt with him. Now, Brian was a different kind of guy. He was a guy that um, he, uh, he, he was, uh, he, he didn't play football. So he, and he didn't lift weights. He, didn't, he, he wasn't in my circle. The only circle that he became was I had a couple of classes with him and we had this, uh, we hit it off because of the, we were, both had this common uh, denominator and that was hunting. And he was just as passionate about it as I was. And uh, he invited me to go duck hunt and one morning. And so I said, man, uh, I, you know, yeah, I'll go. And that's where I started duck hunting and just really fell in love with it. Um, but on the morning, one morning that we were driving to, uh, we were down, I want to say we were down near uh, uh, the marshes. I, I, I've tried to remember I don't know if it's Leeville or Fouchon or something down in that area, but we were down south as far as you could really get. And um, I began, he was struggling with life. And um, he asked me, he said, there's a peace in your life. How come you have that peace? And I began to share with him uh, about the love of Christ and what Christ came to do for me. And uh, when I was 10, I came to know the Lord Jesus as my savior. And um, I, um, he, he saw that in me, he saw that, um, that part of it. And so I shared with him that day on the way down to, um, uh, to duck hunt. And, um, I asked him if he wanted to pray and receive Christ. And, and, uh, and now this is, this is going to tie back into the ministry because this is the seed that was planted for me to do this. And, um, and so he, we pulled off the side of the road and Brian trusted Christ that day. And, wow. um, and so, um, as we, you know, I thought, man, he's praying to trust Christ man, God's going to open up the, the ducks and man, we're going to have the best duck hunt of our lives, you know, because I did something spiritual, you know, and uh, it was probably the worst duck I've ever been on. And so I think we only shot one duck, got stuck in the marsh, you know, and if you ever get stuck back there, it is not easy to get out. And right. uh, but the, the highlight, of course, and on the way back, asked me again what he did and how, when he responded, he was really, I mean, really, he was really struggling, really hurting. And, um, and I, and, and so I began to disciple him and then um, Christmas break was coming and we all went our separate ways. And then when we came back um, to school, school's hard for me. I'm dyslexic. So I have a hard time retaining. I have a hard time uh, with, with subjects and, and just, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, I know Lord, I know Lord thinks it's funny because he, what in the world would he call me in ministry if I can't retain, you know, but, um, but, you know, so, there I was, and it opened the first day. I was looking forward to seeing him, and 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 at that school, it was a, a Catholic school. They always had a prayer, and one of the brothers got up and said, "Please stand for the morning prayer before you do." Remember Brian's family, for Brian was killed in, a, in an accident, and so he was wow. killed in a hunting accident, and um, and so I remember that morning. I mean that that day in homeroom class, just just uh, in tears and. And no, but knowing that he's in heaven because I was with him. Wow. wow. What a story. What a yeah. story, Jeff. And so that was the seed that planted this ministry. It didn't happen right away, but it came, um, you know, 30 or 30 years when I, when I turned 40 and the Lord said, uh, you know how people respond with you when you go hunting and fishing. Um, it's, it's like men when I, when we go are just drawn to, to share. And, uh, it just, it, you know, it's at a, it's at a different place. It's a trusting place. And, and, um, and so I, I recognized early that hunting and fishing, uh, I can use for a platform for the love of Christ. And so that's really where legacy outfitters was born. Uh, was that seed that many years earlier. And, um, so when, when the Lord said, Hey, remember, you remember the time with Brian and you remember the time with the guys that would go hunting with you and, you'd have time to share with them because, you know, always had spiritual talks and, and sharing with guys, helping them through life. And that's just how God created me. And, um, and so um, then God said, remember that? And I said, yeah. He said, well, then build a ministry around that. And, um, and so that's how Legacy Outfitters uh, was birthed. Um, and, uh, but, you know, so, but there were some key guys that played a part in that too in Waco. So. Well, Jeff, at the beginning, did you see it as a ministry that's local, regional, or did you did you have any feel at that particular time that it would grow to the way in which it's now growing? No, I had no idea. Um, I'd be lying to you to tell you if I did. I had no, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, the great part about it was, um, I just 
I started withering away in, in ministry. I just wasn't using the gifts that God gave me. And I was just withering away. And I, and I said, if I, I told the Lord, if I have to be in church life one more day, I'm going to scream. And, um, you know, now look, I'm in two, I was in two great churches, very fortunate. Some pastors never get a great, at one church, that's good. And I had two great ones and two great leadership. And, uh, but that, that wasn't the reason. The reason was I wasn't fulfilling what God had called me to go do. And had he prepared me all these years for, those guys helped me get ready for what was fixing to take off. And so I had no idea. I just, I just wanted to um, share the gospel and hunt and fish. And uh, one day I, uh, a, a guy here in town um, uh, approached me and said, hey, we had something in common. And Tate Christensen, who uh, runs Bars Construction, said, hey, uh, Jeff, um, want to go quail hunting? I go, yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't afford to go quail hunting. I mean, it, it, you know, quail hunting is a little bit expensive. And he took care of everything. I had a delight. Um, but during the day, I, you know, uh, I was fascinated. You know, they, they cook you a meal. So I was back there in the kitchen, you know, harassing the cook. And we got to talking. And he came out, invited him to come out and eat and sit with us. And next thing I know, what he's opening up about uh, a tough life he's been having and, and struggles. And, and, I, and, you know, just nonchalant, just started sharing with him. And then the bird, the bird dog and, and the handler, uh, same thing. And, and Tate saw that. And when we left, Tate said, uh, he said, I've never seen anything like that. I said, see what? And he said, the way people um, talk to you and, and how you respond to them. And I go, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and uh, I really didn't. And he said, uh, he said, you ever considered hunting and fishing and telling people about Jesus for a living? I go, absolutely. But who in their right mind would pay me to do that? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, I would. And, um, and I went, you, you you say that again? He said, I would. And uh, so Tate and a guy named Daryl Weems became a real crucial part of helping me gathering some businessmen to get around and to uh, launch this vision. Uh, but it became so much more than hunts. Hunting and fishing is really insignificant thing we really do. Um, it's really more about discipling. It's a grassroots discipleship group. So the ministry uh uh, started taking off. We, we sat and we talked about it and they asked me when I was going to go full time with it. And I said, when the Lord's ready to, to, to tell us to go. And, um, and then it took place and we've never looked back. And so the first year into it, I was just trying to do one chapter. Just, I, I didn't even know it. I didn't call it a chapter. Um, and so uh, next thing I know it, people from other cities started showing up and um, saying, Hey, can we do this in our town? And I, you know, I didn't know what was, I didn't know what I was doing. I said, yeah, sure. Uh, and, uh, and that's how it all started. God really drew all these, these leaders uh, throughout the country to me. I didn't, I did we never marketed it one time. We've never, um, you know, uh, tried to do that. And it's just, I said, wherever the need is and whoever, whoever approaches us, then I will go wherever they want us to go. And uh, so that's kind of how the ministry started. Um yeah, so. Well, Jeff, thank you for sharing that about Tate. Uh, he, he's a dear friend. He and I've served together at the Waco chamber. Um, and, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he and I now are, are involved in Waco business league mm -hmm. together and just, just such a great guy. And yeah. I had no idea he was just such a, uh, oh, he's a vital part. I mean, a catalyst, uh, your ministry. Well, well, I, I first became familiar with your ministry in 2007. I had just moved back to Texas, uh, uh, from South Carolina and had been here less than two weeks and uh, a strong supporter of yours, uh, named Dr. John Ellis an orthopedic oh, yeah. surgeon, invited me to sit at his table that year and, uh, uh, early September. And, uh, it was a great night. It was a great night that led to to many things in, in mine and John's relationship, but also it was oh. just a great introduction to the, the incredible ministry. And I mean, you fill a room and it is an event that if people are within a several hour drive of Waco in early September on a Monday night, they need to be coming. Uh, tell our listeners more about that event and what a critical role yeah. it plays in the financial support of your ministry. Well, you know, we've had some really um, key people in Waco, Texas. Now I understand why God brought me to Waco. Um, he he obviously understood what was going to be needed. I surely didn't. Um, and so 
I don't know why we question God sometimes. Sometimes things don't make sense, but as you get into it, it, it does become very crystal clear. And um, God put me around some unbelievable businessmen that had a heart for the Lord. And, um, and so those early years, uh, we had to come up with a way to support the ministry. Tate was really concerned because um, he asked me to, when I was going to step out of the church work and start uh, this ministry. And I told him, I said, you know, you're just going to have to trust. And when the Lord does, he go. But the whole part was he was scared that I was going to have to move my family into his house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he knows how much food I eat. So he he was a little a little uh, shaken by that. And uh, but it was a great process. Um, and so we uh, had an idea of putting on a, a, a banquet, uh, Fishers of Men banquet. Um, but, you know, I, I've done events. I put on crawfish balls. That's kind of what I did at churches, chili cook-offs. Uh, of course, in Louisiana, we had gumbo cook-offs, not chili cook-offs. And, and uh, so I was accustomed to those kinds of things, but nothing to this magnitude. And so I relied on some guys who were former Duck Unlimited guys who who knew how to put on a an outdoor program. And so I reached out to the community, uh, one being uh, uh, Brian Smutzler, who uh, runs Ace Hardware. Um, just that, man, he just really helped us through the early years of understanding what, what a, a banquet would look like. And Robert Woods and some other key guys uh, that just that were formerly that did those kinds of things. And, and so I wanted it to be uh, something that um, a little different. Uh, and so this this banquet became um, in the first year, uh, we had a lot of stuff that um, uh, that most first year banquets would never receive. And uh, boy, the Lord blessed us. And um, and it was an all men's uh, it, our, it's a men's ministry. So we we say 17 and older, 16, 17 years and older. We're, uh, our churches do a great job with our women and children, but really have a tough time in the in the men's ministry part. And so I knew that we are not and this is important for our, our listeners, uh, we're not a church. We're a spiritual fellowship. I'm not trying to take the place of church. I'm trying to reach men to go to get back into church or to go to church. Um, and so that's really um, what Legacy Outfitters is really about. And um, and so I didn't want it to be churchy. I didn't want it to be, but I also wanted it to be, um, you know, men coming and having a great time, but I didn't want it to go over overboard either. And uh, so several of them asked if, if, if there was going to be, you know, certain things there. And I told them no. And they said, well, how are you going to raise money? And I said, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to glorify God. I'm not, I'm not going to do something that I normally wouldn't do just for the sake of raising money. And God honored that. And, um, and so it grew the first year. Um, and uh, we're running over 800 people now. Uh, I know when you look in that room, you think it's a thousand, but it's not. I, I, I would love to tell them, yeah, it's a thousand, but it, but it really, but we've outgrown that facility. And now the, the heart of Texas have built a, a new facility called the base. And now it's challenged me because to fill that, I, I've got some years to go to fill that. So we're at a place where we can grow, but that's a time of celebration. Guys come from our chapters uh, from other, other cities, but, the majority of the people come from Waco and they, and they really support us. And we have uh, just raffle item, bucket items, trips, um, everything you can think of guns, We've got the best gun table, any, any banquet could have. And to top all that off, we have the best cook team. Uh, they do 800 steaks to perfection. And uh, I think people are amazed. Uh, I know that one restaurant in town asked me if we had Chick-fil-A people working for us when we were doing that line that buffet line. And I said, no, um, you know, so that's how efficient it was. And um, so our guys, David Wren is our cook team leader and they just do, they, they fed 800 men in uh, 15 minutes and 25 seconds. So, um, and, and, but the night is just a fun celebration. I think the biggest highlight for me, we, um, uh, we do two things at legacy. We honor our God and we honor our country. We have, we pray to the Lord and we have a word of prayer before we start. And then we do the Pledge of Allegiance. And to hear 800 men plus do the Pledge of Allegiance is such a blessing. And that always gets me. And I, and, and I had Art Wellborn uh, sing the national anthem. Uh, Art uh, sang over the Texas Rangers uh, game, ball game. And he was incredible. And so to have that 
we've got some men in there and uh, that when they do that, it, it's, it's moving, really moving. And I, and I want to honor our country. I, I feel like we haven't done that. And so um, that's the part that I feel that we need to bring back as men is to learn how to honor the country that we, we live in and serve. Well, so. well, you've been doing this for almost 20 years now, which is, which is yes. amazing, which is a, a huge, yeah. you know, feat on, by itself, uh, creating something that has lasted that long. Walk us through some leadership lessons you've learned, but also walk us through some of those highlights and best memories that you have over the last 20 years. <laughs> Man, uh, you know, Jacob, um, <laughs> you know, leadership, um, I really didn't know what it was supposed to look like. I really didn't. I, I, I can't just tell you that it, it, it evolved. Um, I know uh, in the beginning, Byron Weathersby is a, a great friend in town and he was in the beginning and he had a ministry called Legacy Family Ministries. And I really, uh, you know, spent some time in the beginning asking him questions and I would tell him about this ministry and he would say, write it down. And I told Byron, I'd rather you poke me in the eye than me write it down. Remember, I'm dyslexic. <laughs> You know, so, you know, I just, I, you know, I couldn't write it down and, and I really couldn't explain it. And so it evolved over the years and, um, and God just put everything and all the people in my life that prepared me for this moment, um, you know, came about, um, you know, I've had, I've had guys, um, because I think, because I do a, it's a, non, it's a nonprofit and it's all volunteer uh, based. And, uh, they asked me, I must have some kind of leadership skills. And so they will ask me, that question, what is it you look for in a leadership? And I don't think they really go away with an answer that they want or expected. And I'll tell you guys this, what I look for in a man is a man who's been beat up and um, that's, that's gone through life, um, struggled and, um, and yet um, comes to Christ and just, um, just loves the Lord. Um, The guys who've been beat up are not judgmental. Um, they, they know what it's like to live life. They're not, they're not wearing a mask, not the COVID mask, but the, the mask that we hide behind and, um, they're willing to be open and, and they're willing to share, um, their, their, their struggles. And that's the kind of guy I look for. Um, now not all of my guys, um, have that characteristic trait, but if we're honest with each other, we've all struggled, struggles, part of Christianity. I don't know why we try to hide from that but we're all going to go through struggles in our life. It's not easy. I don't know why we, as men, we try to hide that. Why not share that helping other people out, you know? And so my leadership um, is, is really just a lead and to let, allow them to have their own personal ministry. Legacy Outfitters is not Jeff Fritcher's ministry. It's a ministry that God gave me. The only, uh, the part that God told me to do was the vision and direction and that's it. And so the rest of it is they come along and develop their own personal ministry through that and use legacy outfitters as the platform and, um, and just love on these guys, encourage them. You know, you got to speak into people's lives. And uh, I think I've had some great leadership guys and I've had guys that have come and gone that were just awesome. And for the time that we needed them. Um, so our front door and our back door is just as wide as our front door meaning that we're not trying to hold them. We're not trying to keep them because what we're trying to do is uh, make an impact on them if they just come once or twice. Now, now, absolutely, I'd love to keep them for long term, but that's not really the design of legacy. The design of legacy is to encourage them to be the husband, be the father, and be the man God called them to be. And that may be through their local churches and through other other organizations and to, to, to lead. And so basically, if, I guess if I really had to, to boil it down, it would be there's not really any qualifications to be a leader in our group. Um, we just want you, if you're breathing, we're going to use you. And um, and we just want to walk alongside of each other and uh, walk this journey together. I think that's why the it's been successful because we don't we don't get ahead of ourselves and we don't think highly of ourselves. And uh, we just we just want to do the work of the Lord and uh, just helping helping guys during their struggle. And I didn't know that legacy was going to become that. We helped walk with them through their divorces, through the personal family struggles. And so it's been really neat to see how God has, has used that. And um, so, but it's mostly discipleship. It's, it's doing life together. We think discipleship, we think of that as a church word that we say, well, discipleship is memorizing scriptures and reading the Bible together. And rightly so. But it's much more than that. It's doing life together. You know, it's praying for each other. 
It's, um, you know, um, but the life part is uh, something that you walk with them. Uh, you do things together. You go on trips together. You hang out together. We don't have men's organizations anymore. Uh, and we need, we desp- our men need that. They need to be around other men. And, um, and we need uh, our older men to mentor our younger men. And, uh, and so really, I just look for that leader, that guy who is willing and who's passionate and, and who shows up. That's the guy. That's the guy I want to use. Um, he's been beat up. I can use a guy like that. Guy never been beat up. It's hard to get through to him sometimes because he doesn't really, he's not really, um, he's not in reality. He, you know, he, he kind of, and I hope that doesn't offend anybody. So, well, you know, I'm not struggling. Well, maybe not now, but you will be. Um, and I have been beat up. Yeah, you have. You know, we've all been beat up and, um, in, you know, in life, um, not physically, but, you know, we've been beat up. And I hope, I hope you guys understand that. I hope I'm, I'm making sense to that because that's really, um, that's who I see God use all the time, you know, and, and then the others who have never had a struggle, they're just so judgmental, you know? So of course I'm being judgmental now too. So. <laughs> well, I get to be, cause I'm the leader. <laughs> you know, no, Jeff, I, hope that, I hope that makes sense. Oh, I hope I'm just rambling on, but I hope that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And Jeff, it is just so amazing that you're right where that you need to be. I I've seen you from the sidelines and I've seen you up on the podium and, uh, whether it's one-on-one or with a group, you just have a natural way that, uh, a God-given way that just, uh, helps folks break down barriers and just be able to open up and uh, share with you. I, in preparing for this podcast, I was able to watch your, uh, 2020, uh, legacy report because during COVID things were different and it, it uh, mm-hmm. created uh, challenges for every ministry and every business in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I watched you talk to some of the rocks, uh, that are around you, some boulders of, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and of course there've been and so many people that have helped you, uh, and you've named uh, several of those. And uh, I just know that a ministry like yours, you can't do it by yourself. And, uh, and, and you've got to count on these people coming alongside of you and undergirding you and strengthening you and, um, and uh, helping with the ministry. Yeah, I do have that. Um, let me just say, and you know him real well, uh, John Ellis uh, has been has been solid from the very beginning. He's our chairman of the board, and uh, he is... Um, um, and been very gracious uh, to our family, to me. Our friendship means more uh, than anything else. But uh, he is—he is—he has helped in in such a tremendous way in leading. Um, and so he's come in uh, and filled some gaps. Um, the other guy that I have is Gary Shell um, that came to us um, early on. Um, I did—I was doing this by myself, and um, I've had some other guys come and go. And did some incredible work while we while they were they were here, uh, but Gary Shell came on and did all the things that I really wasn't capable of doing. I think everybody in the ministry knows that Gary Shell runs the ministry, and I'm just kind of I get out there and have fun and and uh, you know joke a lot. But um, Gary, I couldn't do this ministry without Gary because Gary does all the programming and does all the computer stuff and does all the stuff that I just I just don't want to deal with. I just I just want to get out and encourage and love people. And so we fit really well. Um, and so that dynamic, it's a dynamic duo, I promise you, because he is, he is, he is powerful in what he does and gifted. And I couldn't do all the, I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have him. Um, and then there was a time when all the chapters started going. Um, I had a guy step in, uh, the guru of franchises, and that was Gary Finley. And uh, he became a very close friend and really just helped me understand because here they were coming and I'm like, I, I don't know what to do, you know? And so his wisdom in that area helped me. Now we're not a franchise and now we're not a, it's so much different than that because we don't charge dues. You just come, you come, you're a member. So we, we've taken that aspect out of it. Um, and so, but he had a lot of, a lot of wisdom uh, for me in those areas. Um, and, and so dude, I can name, I can sit here and name a bunch of guys. God just sent them. And, and put alongside of me to help me understand every step of the way. And he's continuing to do that. And I'm still waiting on the guy that's going to take my place. Um, um, I'm praying for him uh, because this that we want this to continue. And so we're, I know that may sound odd, but it, it's, uh, I'm not tired and ready to go. I'm just 
I'm just, we're praying for that next guy um, to come and lead. I think, I think the next guy is going to be capable of taking it to a whole new level and which I can't do. And um, so we're just, we're excited about that. So we've, we've laid the foundation and we're waiting for someone to build that mansion <laughs> of legacy outfitters and get in more cities and see more people um, understand what it means to be a, a follower of Christ and, and, uh, and to be a better husband, a better father. Hey, look, what man in, in this country don't want to be a better husband or a better father? You tell me that. Exactly. We, we, we all do. And we all need help because I, I, I mess up all the time. And um, I need accountability in my life as well. So, and I got it with these guys that you put along inside of you. They're not all yes men. They're all people who, you know, challenge. And that's what we need. People who challenge us and encourage us. Yeah. Great, great accountability partners for sure. You know? Yes. Well, you know, uh, if, if running a, a ministry wasn't enough uh, on your plate, uh, you do just a couple things outside of uh, Legacy Outfitters. Uh, you serve as the chaplain for the Crawford High School football team. You host weekly devotional sessions uh, at multiple restaurants in Waco. Uh, you lead a weekly coach's Bible study uh, with the coaching staff at Midway, and the list probably goes on and on and on. Uh, how do you find time? Talk, talk to us about how something opportunity <laughs> to be, but also talk to us about time management. I mean, how, how do you handle pouring into that many people uh, and, and, and still able to accomplish other things, uh, you know, family stuff, legacy, yeah. outfitter stuff? Walk us through the magic. I will. Um, you know, I must say this first. Um, a couple of years, three or four years ago, I entered into a time of dark, deep, dark depression. Um, and so I was pretty much sidelined. Um, I couldn't, I was paralyzed in a lot of ways. No one told me about, I didn't know what I had. Nobody, nobody ever talked about it. So I didn't know. Um, that's what bothers me about men sometimes. Of course, when we all went through puberty, we didn't talk about that either. <laughs> so why are we going to talk about depression? I think a lot of men, our bodies are making changes again. And uh, but whatever happened, whatever triggered it, I went into depression. And um, and which is interesting and neat. The, the very ministry that God put on my heart to start was the very ministry that helped me um, heal um, from that. So um, I, did, I was exhausted. I was tired. My I just didn't have the energy Um I slept maybe 15, 16 hours out of the, the day. Um, and, and every time I, I couldn't meet new people, which was my thing. You know, my wife doesn't send me to the store just to go pick up two or three items. I, I end up you know, three hours later. I'm talking to everybody, you know, <laughs> so yeah. she, she don't send me to the grocery store anymore. Um, but, you know, I, I was I was sidelined. I was sitting on the bench and, and being on the bench never sat well with me ever. Um, and so. But I just, I didn't know what to do. And uh, as I was getting healed and as, as Lord started healing me and put people in my place to help me understand what I was dealing with, as I walked through that, um, God was preparing me for this next season in my life, um, which sounds strange, but I really got in a quiet, a quiet time in my life and um, it was not fun. Um, but, you know, um, he, I can see now as I look back on it, it couldn't have happened any other way. There was no way that I could do what I'm doing today if I hadn't gone through that season uh, of struggle. And so as I came out of it, um, when the Lord said, saw fit that I was ready, he opened all these doors. I, I did. Now I was doing the, the chaplain at uh, Crawford. I will, I will say that I've been doing that for nine, 10 years. And uh, that's been a joy. Even when I was in my deepest, darkest depression, um, I still had I could manage to go up there and speak to the kids uh, speak to the student athletes uh, right before a football game. Tra I still traveled with them and uh, just had a love for that. Um, they call me a character coach. And I guess, um, I don't know who's the character, but, um, you know, and, and it fits. And so we, um, so I just have a love for students and, 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 and sports. And so it's a really good fit. And uh, so I kept that on my plate. I didn't want that to go away. And, uh, but, but as I came, I came out of this, um, um, Lord just kind of prepared me in, in every aspect, whether I, I lost some weight uh, to get my energy back. Uh, the doctors would start putting me on the right medications and uh, help me through that. Um, Lord used these doctors to help heal me, uh, but the Lord healed me in other areas uh, as well. And um, and so um, the door started opening up, uh, you know, so I, I do that on Fridays. I do go to a practice, uh, a Crawford, I go to a practice a week. 
and um, and to to see them and then speak to them. I do a, a senior leadership with them. I feed them my Cajun stuff. I think that helps get me in a door, a lot of doors. Um, I make these kids, uh, you know, uh, crawfish, at, you know, uh, chowder, etouffee, uh, jambalaya. And, uh, and then I, I talk about what leadership looks like, and not in the world's perspective, but biblical perspective. And so that's been just a joy for me. Um, I love doing it. And uh, so I do that on Fridays. And then on Thursday mornings, I do a, a Bible st- coach's Bible study uh, with the Midway coaches. And uh, that's that's been it been a joy. Um, but Lord told me, you know, you just can't go speak on Thursday and just expect for them to, to, um, you know, come along. You gotta, you gotta you build a relationship. So I can't just do that on a Thursday morning. So I end up staying and watching their practice and hanging out with them. And, and that leads to something else and leads to another coach and another field and another sport. And, um, God just opens doors. It's, it's incredible. I don't know why we marvel at what God does in our lives, um, but you go, oh, man, I can't believe he just did that, you know? And, uh, but my wife had been praying that he, he would, the Lord would expand my borders. So that came up and I said, um, and then, and then, um, Claude and Becky Lindsay, the owners of, uh, Buzzard Billy's asked me if I would come and be their chaplain at their restaurant. And, uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always been drawn to that. I mean, seafood, that's my thing, you know? <laughs> and so, that was a neat, a neat twist. And so, um, and then I told my wife, quit praying for the borders to open up. I got enough. That's it. Don't be praying no more. And then, but she didn't. And, um, but, but the restaurant has been a, a delight. I go Wednesday mornings and hang out with the staff and the cook chef, the, the, sous, the sous chef and the management and the, and the owners and, and share a, a devotional, encourage them. Then I walk around and, you know, at, at, there's different stations and just really love on them, encourage them. And, um, and if they got struggles or prayer requests, they give them to me and pray for them. And, um, and so I learned all that through, um, back in the day when, uh, you know, uh, through being a chaplain, what that looked like, you know, and it's amazing that God's not going to throw you in an area that you don't know anything about. He's going to prepare you along the way. And so I look back on it, God has prepared me for this, for this season of my life. And so, um, and then I had a good dear friend pass away in, in the pastorate. And um, his, he would co-pastor with me and his wife. And I helped fill, uh, fill the pulpit on occasion. Um, I miss preaching sometimes in, in the pulpit. And so whenever I get an opportunity, I go. And um, next thing I know, it, she's there asking, talking to me about it, coming on and being her interim pastor to one of the pastor, co-pastors with her to, to, until they find it and make that transition for a lead pastor. And so, um, I, I, again, I said, Chris Ann, my wife, I said, Quit praying to open my borders. They're they're wide and open. Uh, but I'm going to answer your question, Jacob, because you said, "How do I manage my time?" You know, I'm not a real big discipline of time. Okay, um, I I but I had to become a real uh, a man of, of discipline. Um, one of the things that I learned, I had to be in God's Word a lot more. If I'm going to be speaking this much and having a, a fresh word for people, I've got to be in 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 the Bible. And I've got to be reading it and I've got to be understand. I got to understand it. And so I've learned uh, the more I'm in the Bible, the more um, I get. And, uh, and, and the Lord is just really, it, it's really not me. Um, I mean, I, I used to sleep, you know, eight hours, you know, and now it's maybe four or five. And, and that's amazing because I'm not a morning person or an evening person. I'm a noontime person. <laughs> Lunchtime's my thing, you know? And so uh, it has to be the Lord uh, doing all this. I, I, that's the only way I can explain it because um, the energy that I've been given uh, is just, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. Um, and so um, the Lord seems to be managing my time. He said, I told you I'd get you in the, in the word more. And it's, and, it, and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed a little bit to tell you, you know, cause every, you know, we, I should be in the word a lot more anyway. I shouldn't have to, you know, be forced into it, but, but that's, that's how I met men are. That's how I am, you know? And so, um, and so that's been a big, big plus. And so now all that has really, because you go, well, you're doing all that. And and when do you get time to, to do the ministry that, that pays you, you know, Legacy Outfitters? And, uh, but what it's done is it enhances legacy because I've got a newfound energy. And uh, and I, now I've got more fresh things to share. And so it, it's really been a blessing. And uh, But 
I don't, I'm done. I don't, I can't, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm done. Y'all don't have to worry about me doing a podcast. <laughs> uh, well, you're doing pretty well on this one. Uh, well, thank you for how you're just continuing to bless so many people in so many ways. Before we head into rapid fire, one quick question. How can listeners get involved with Legacy Outfitters? Well, you know, um, it's, it's uh, real easy as far as you just, if you're whatever area or town you live in and you'd like to have a ministry, we, uh, we, we have a lot of, we have just a few don'ts, but a lot of do's uh, to do, but, but just a few don'ts. We don't have it in the local churches because we're trying to reach uh, the unchurched and uh, we don't have altar calls and praise and worship music. We're not trying to be the church. And so we don't do that the way the church does it. The church does a fine job on Sundays. We're just trying to reach men and with their passions of hunting and fishing. But if you're interested in leading a group or having a legacy chapter in your town, um, basically you got to be willing to get uh, a, a point leader and a co-leader and uh, uh, six or seven guys that are willing to go alongside of you and start this ministry. And um, and then contact contact us, and then we'll walk walk you through what, what's needed and what 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 kind of help that you need. Now, if you're in a local area and you go to our website, LegacyOutfitters.org, and you look at the chapters and you see one in your area, just contact the people and find out where they're meeting uh, and then, then then show up. There's no membership. There's no dues. So just just come and be a part of it. This is not the Bubba Boudreaux Hunting Fish Club. This is a this is a men's ministry. Remember that. But now, um, if you're a believer and you need something really spiritually deep, don't expect to get that from us because that's not what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to uh, introduce the, the non-believer into this ministry. And, um, and so we're, we're trying to walk them through stuff, but we sure could use your help to disciple and to come alongside other men and to use the giftedness that God's given you. So, so. Jeff, I, I think you have done such an amazing job of defining your lane. And, and I, I think that's the reason why so many churches, so many different denominations uh, support you because you point uh, your uh, new members and new believers back to the church and you keep uh, uh, replanting and replanting and replanting. And so uh, thank you for how you run your ministry. I know, I know our pastors appreciate it. And I know uh, all the people that uh, uh, participate benefit greatly from your ministry. Oh, you bet. Well, it's time for our rapid fire questions. And Jacob has the first one for you. All right. <laughs> Best and worst advice you have ever been given. <laughs> the best advice is to marry that girl as soon as you can. That was my wife. Um, the worst advice was to, um, gosh, what would be the worst advice? You know, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, but there was, there was probably a couple of schemes, um, that somebody got talked me into doing, you know, so, um, you know, I, you know, that's, a, you, you got me, you stumped me on the worst one. Uh, well, how about this one? How about the most influential person in your life? Well, you know, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, my brother has been a big time influence in my life, uh, with ministry. He's big, my biggest, he's two years older than me. Um, I always tell people that, you know, he's the, he's the, uh, He's the good one. I'm the, I'm the crude one, uh, but I'm the good looking one and the most athletic one. Um, but he is spiritually, um, taught me, uh, about ministry. Um, and so um, he went in at a young age too. Um, but we got that from our dads, both my, my brother and I, our best, our best man. And then our weddings were my dad and, um, my dad nurtured us, um, he was kind. He was giving. We learned a lot from him. Uh, he would be the biggest, one of the biggest influences. And uh, we lost him about two years ago. And, you know, I'm not sad about it because we, we live life together. And uh, we, <laughs> I mean, there was no regrets. I mean, we, uh, we said we loved each other. And, you know, in New Orleans, we, we, when we see each other, we always, you know, you have a kiss on the cheek. That's kind of a, a New Orleans thing, you know, it's a greeting. And, um, and man, it was never, ever, I always knew that, um, I never had a dad wound because he always believed in what I did. Um, and, uh, but my mom's been, you know, she's been the spiritual, um, uh, you know, leader too, as well. And then I have, um, guys like Mike Walker, Mike Toby, you know, uh, guys like that too, mentored me in, in, the, in ministry as well. So, 
has been a lot. But I would say that right now it would have to be my brother since my dad's passed uh, right now. You know, so that's good. That's good. Well, when was the last time you took a risk and how did it work out? <laughs> well, I don't know how it's working out right now, but I accepted the, uh, the, the position to, at the church. So we'll see. <laughs> That's a risk, man. I don't know. I, I think it's going to go good, but, you know, I, I, only time can tell. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's really risk in life. You know, I, I just think that we, we sometimes have to take them. You know, and so I think sometimes it, it grows us and it teaches us. And if we're not taking risks, then we're not living. And um, so, um, you know, that's kind of how I stand on that. Well, this one's going to be a hard question, but it's going to be a great answer. I know you <laughs> could love the outdoors. You've been to some beautiful places. What's the most beautiful and meaningful place you've ever been, Jeff? Oh, gosh. You know, and... and I don't know why I hesitate because I get people ask me this all the time, you know, and I have been in some of the most beautiful places in the world, but I'd have to tell you it's the next place that I get to fellowship and share the gospel with, you know, um, I've been able to share the gospel in deer blinds, duck blinds, um, baptize uh, fishing guys in their lakes. Um, those have been some meaningful places. Uh, I've been in Alaska where the, the, the Alaska, uh, when you go to Alaska, it'll just melt the stress away. You have no stress. Um, it just, it's incredible what that does. I've been in San Pedro, um, you know, chasing after lobster, diving down for lobster and meeting some incredible people. I've been on some, uh, some of the most beautiful ranches in the world. Um, and seen some of the, the beautiful deer and, uh, at wild game. Um, so I, I just can't answer one. I just, I, I just can't, I, I wish I could. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Well, then we'll go to the next question. Best and worst job you've ever had? Well, some people say I've been in ministry my whole life. I, ne I never had a real job. You know? <laughs> so I've been in ministry my whole life. Uh, I worked with my dad and um, he was a contractor after he uh, fought professionally. After he started building houses, everybody wanted him to build a house. Um, those were good times with my dad. So it really wasn't bad. Um, so um, I really, I've been in church work uh, since I was uh, young. So really, I haven't had any job away from the, from ministry. So, so I haven't had, a, uh, they're all been good. Been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate, you know, so haven't had a worse job. Cause like, I know I had a lady one time said, well, you don't know you, you've never had a real job. <laughs> I can't believe she said that. If, if, if I could, I would have slapped her, but you know, that wouldn't look good. You know, here's an ordained minister slapping this woman, but I would, I would have just said I was slapping a demon out of her. That's all. You that, that might have turned out to be your worst job then if you had done that. Yeah, well, it could it could have been, but it would have, have, have been great, though. It would have been awesome. You know, I would have been, you know, uh, no, no, not at all. Well, yeah. for our friends that are in ministry, know I that. I would have done that. I would have never done that. I'm just teasing. <laughs> well, for our friends uh, who are in ministry, you know that uh, a minister's life is not easy. You do a lot of setting up of tables and tearing down and taking out the trash and all kinds of things that uh, people yeah. never see. So, well, Jeff, I got to ask you this question. Besides the Bible, best book you've ever read? Well, that's the easiest one you've asked me. <laughs> I've only read one book in my whole life. <laughs> it was a book in the sixth grade. It was called Goodbye, My Lady. And it was about an Africa for Senji dog um, that yodeled and didn't bark. And, um, and uh, that he, he, uh, the little boy found that dog in the, in the swamp right outside of uh, New Orleans and uh, raised it. And, uh, and, but they had to give it up when the owner came to get it. But that's, that was my favorite book. And matter of fact, I, I wish I would have stole it out of the library because it took me that many years to find that, a copy of that book. But I found it one day in Colorado because I was in search of it. So, it's called Goodbye, My Lady. <laughs> so I hate to disappoint a lot of y'all, but, but that's the one book I read. <laughs> I, I, love it. I like it. I love it. I like it. Well, yeah. final question here. What's next for Jeff? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but I will tell you this. It, it doesn't matter what's next. As long as I can do uh, make a difference in people's lives um, and whatever platform I'm on, that's what I want to do. So I want to make a difference in people's lives like I did yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And um, like I said, 
wherever he chooses to put me on, wherever he chooses to place me, that's where I want to be. So that that would be next. I don't ever plan to retire. Um, I just I just plan on just um, sharing my faith and um, and but but helping folks uh, go through situations. You know, I'm so thankful I had the depression because I'm helping so many men out with it right now, and uh, and even women that that have come to me. And um, so I don't know, man. I you know it, it'll it'll be fun to know. I I'm hoping legacy will take me all the way uh, till I till God's finished with me. And um, you know I'd like to see how this turns out. We never know. We never. It could go away tomorrow. It'd be okay. We'll just find another platform to get on. You know. So that's that's all I can really say about it. You know, just whatever's next is next. I don't. You know, I would love to say I'd have a big ranch. But God will never give me a big ranch and, and hunting property because he knows I wouldn't share it. And he knows that ain't that's not right. So those <laughs> <laughs> so are my deer, my fish. I'd get that, I'd get that way I'd come in a hurry. I'd get I'd go back to my old ways, want to kill and, and catch everything. But um no, I, you know, I say that in jest. I, you know, it's been a delight to be on different people's places and stuff. But uh, whatever next is next, you know, so we shall see. Well, it has been uh, an honor to sit and talk to you today and hear these stories and hear about this phenomenal ministry. Uh, we just we can't say thank you enough for being here today. So thanks for being on the show. Man, I, I have loved it. Um, I feel like I just talked about myself the whole time and, and I didn't even really get to talk to you, but I'm sure your listeners know who you are and know right. all about y'all. But uh, uh, I'm just uh, thrilled to, to be a part and, uh, and I'm thrilled that anybody's interested you know, so I'm always grateful that someone's interested in what I'm doing and see value in it. You know, I think that's the most pleasing thing to me is when a pastor comes up to me and I have that pastor, you know, but first Woodway, Dr. Sands, he, uh, he values the ministry I'm doing and always asks me um, what I'm, you know, how things are going. And he'll ask me, what do I need to, what do, what do you need from me? And I always say, just, just value what I do and lo- and encourage me. That's all. So, so thank you. You guys encouraged me for thinking that it was uh, interesting enough and important enough to be on. So. Um, well, we we thoroughly loved it and uh, can't wait for uh, everybody to, to listen to this episode. So to our listeners, uh, we will have all the links uh, to Legacy Outfitters in the show notes below. So make sure you check those out. And as always, thanks for listening today. Our guest today, Jeff Fritcher, the founder and president of Legacy Outfitters. And Jeff, thank you so much for being with us. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Make sure you subscribe, share our podcast with others, and follow us along on our Instagram account. And until next time, keep chasing what matters.